0: Hi, I hope you're having a good day, or night, or whatever this is. This show is only possible because of support that we get at Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv uh, and consider kicking us a couple of bucks a month to help this show and other shows like it exist. This episode contains a large letters component appropriate for Dead Letter Office. Um, we're going to do more of these. We announced this in the episode. If you want to do this, uh, use the contact tab on fileunderwater.net. If you use other places, uh, I'll probably get it. I'll probably catch it, but that is the best way uh, to uh, to get stuff in there. Um, For when I go and do searches later on So fileunderwater.net And then just click the contact link Thank you to everybody who wrote in And everybody who's going to write in in future
1: My name is Gary Butterfield My name is Cole Ross And you're listening to File Underwater, the show where we try to convince you R.E.M. is America's greatest rock band.
0: Yeah. Um, and this week we are doing something kind of different. So we would be remiss if we didn't talk about, uh, things like Dead Letter Office and Eponymous. However, we've already talked about all of the songs that are on them. So we're, we're we're going to hit, uh, kind of the highlights about this, uh, the, the the presentation, you know, REM's, uh, kind of interpretation of a greatest hits and B side rarities album. And then we're going to read some of your responses. This is our Dead Letters Office yeah yeah live letters office yeah
1: um yeah and if uh you know we weren't sure whether we're going to do another one of these we'll probably do one or two more of these throughout the series um just to give you guys a chance i know i said you could send in your general thoughts about rem because i wasn't sure Mm -hmm. but uh hopefully you'll have more general thoughts about rem yeah um as you think about rem more
0: yeah and and as we espouse opinions you disagree with (laughs) yeah exactly you can call us out everybody was super civil
1: (laughs) yeah I, I, i didn't imagine that happened um yeah, I, I had, uh, I went to karaoke last night Oh yeah, and was doing REM songs and, Ooh. uh, did because for karaoke for me, like sometimes I'm good and sometimes I'm not. And it's just whether I find it or not, mm-hmm. you know, there's not like a, uh, you know, a rhyme or reason to it, but yeah. I got to do uh previous when I'd done it's the end of the world. You know, it like, I just couldn't find the right key and then like yeah. around with the remote and just kind of like could do the chorus, but the verses escaped me and I, mm-hmm. I landed, I did it real well. Oh, cool. So yeah. I was yeah. like, Oh, this is a fun, impressive karaoke song
0: and I did it. Okay. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I've, I've landed it once or twice. However, that is a very, uh, uh, poor get poorer kind of song. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah it's, really,
1: it's like all rap songs too. Yeah.
0: Like, you, you know, you like I've, I've fallen
1: victim of this where like, you know, somebody will be like, Hey, let's do that rap song from front of the concords. And then it's like, well, oh, rap, rap's hard. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, rap, rap is super hard. Like, yeah. you know, you get, you get to the, uh, you, you know, it's a, uh, if you, if you miss a line and then it doesn't help that the karaoke version are all wrong. Oh, of course. Like the, word, yeah. the words are exclusively wrong. So if you are like trying to keep your place at all, using mm-hmm. it as a
0: basis, like you're, it's kind of a complicated mental thing you're doing. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. you're better just to ignore it. <laughs> yeah. Because yep. the pacing is going to get you off too. Because it'll always yep. be a little bit behind. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm uh, I'm excited about the next time we do karaoke because I want to I want to bust out some uh, some non-standard REM stuff. Yeah. I, us- I yeah, usually but... do. Uh, What's the frequency, Kenneth? Is my uh, is my thing.
1: Uh, the. The place we do karaoke has a bunch of weird RM stuff, too. Yeah. So, like, you can do, like, it's all the late singles and yeah. stuff. And then, like, the weird mid-period singles where you forget that it was, like, kind of a radio hit. Like, oh, Near Wild Heaven. Like that's, a, that's a radio hit.
0: <laughs> yeah. Weird. Bang and Blame is um, a very strange song to do at karaoke. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I've like, done it. It's fine. <laughs> <this> is... <laughs> <laughs> I kind of that song? <laughs> I,
1: I, I look forward to talking about it, but yeah. I kind of hate that song. <laughs> bang, 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 bang. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's I don't it, know, like, it's
0: or... su- it's super snipey. Um, I like the verse yeah. though; it's fine. <laughs>
1: yeah, the verse is okay. It's like it's it's not like a terrible song, right? But
0: yeah. A... Um. Yeah. So since so, so we're talking about stuff that happened here recently, I hope you mind know if I do a little bit of uh outro matter right now. But we um we were just in Milwaukee for the Midwest mm-hmm. Gaming Classic here in uh, March or April rather of uh, 2017. We had some people come up and say that they found the network through file underwater. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, I'm surprised. I think it would be the opposite. <laughs> so yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't bear out on the numbers, but you people do exist, and that kind of made my day. Um, I think it, I think it's like uh, at the very least, it is a sign that I think that we're the only people doing an
1: REM, like our serious REM podcast right now. Right. I don't know that to be true, but if they found us through Google, that's probably true. Yeah. So I just wanted to lay that out because I was yeah. very uh, very appreciative of that. Yeah. Hi. Hi. Uh, exclusively file underwater fans <laughs> just wait till you get to the summer to come you don't know what you got it's a podcast mimic <laughs> <It's> a pod- <laughs> you uh, you won't appreciate that um <laughs> the uh yeah so uh let's uh, let's get into it let's talk about the the actual rem uh b-sides compilation dead letter office
0: yes uh so this was released in april of 1987 uh shortly before document kind of during the time when document was uh being produced
1: Yeah. 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 And this is, um, you know, as Peter Buck and all the reading and stuff talked about how like, hey, if I'm going to make a band, it's going to have B sides. Right. You know, Um, that's a, you know, that's that's I, I that's important to me to have. B sides. I grew up in a record store. I worked in a record store. Yeah. So they've always had B sides. We've always talked about it, made a point of it on the show. And there was demand for that because those are harder to find. Um, and there was also like bootlegs and stuff. This is, you know, we keep saying that like, oh, they, this is their most successful tour, but it keeps being true. Yeah. And they're right on the verge of their first like top 10 single, uh, that shows up, uh, on a, on a thing. Mm -hmm. And after that, it just like sky's the limit. They explode. Right. You know, they go on a major label. So there is, there's this increased demand, but some of this older stuff, these old singles and everything
0: were made at a time when there was not. That. Yes. So what was happening was they, there were these singles that were being put out in uh, in England um, and in Britain specifically, um, and the singles had B sides of this stuff that we have talked about. You know, your ages of you, etc. Um, mm. And people were actually getting those and then copying them and then selling them in record stores. Yeah. Um, and so like they saw this, and like okay, well obviously people people want this um, kind of alongside uh, these other live show um uh bootlegs that are coming out so let's let, let's give it to them even though there were reservations about kind of a sellout uh yeah kind
1: of what well, yeah. they're repackaging stuff like it felt like they're just making money right you know like uh like we've already sold this stuff we're selling it again um I've, i i love a b-side compilation oh yeah from a band like um there's a frank black one uh that i really like called oddballs there's a pixies one that i i listen to a whole lot yeah um uh, yeah, like I I love B-sides.
0: Yeah. Um wow. there's a there, there's a really good um eels B-side compilation. Mm. Um that's uh that's called like uh Trinkets and Oddities or something like that. Uh that is really good. Yeah.
1: The uh you run into bands too. Like this is not true of REM because I think this as a collection of songs is like not very cohesive. It's not meant to be, but <laughs> no, it's like no. it's not, you know, cohesive or essential feeling, but the um, like I feel like you can make the argument that the collection of singles from um, Bell and Sebastian is the best Bell and Sebastian album. Oh yeah, yeah. Because uh, they put out a bunch of EPs that didn't have an album. Like they're just you know, mm-hmm.
0: here's a song, here's four songs on a disc, and like this yeah. is all we're putting out. Uh, um, the 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 biggest example of that uh, Past Masters, uh, the Beatles. Hmm. You know, like oh, yeah. like that that was one of the one of the first like major album presentations that you could get paperback writer on. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. If you wanted that, and it's it's such a cool cool kind of thing. Like I yeah. I really dug it. So like finding this like and reading kind of about the history uh like finding this when i was younger and then when i was older reading the history of it i was just like really grateful for it even though despite the fact that we're going to get into it like it is uh they had our reservations and i you know it's hard to call (laughs) it they were were warranted they were longly right you know largely right yeah yeah um and they they're really aware of that uh this has this is the first album with um liner notes uh from peter bach Yes, uh, who does that it was a little bit weird, given that, like, Michael Snipe tends to be the voice of the band mm-hmm. and kind of deal with all the liner notes and, and physical kind of presentation uh, they have. Yeah. But he wrote little notes that kind of explain all of these songs that, like, I poured over
0: uh, <laughs> when I was young because it was a direct line to the band. Yeah. them? And it was like just Peter Buck. It was in his voice. Um, And there were some times where he just kind of like apologized for what was on here, you know, Um, in interviews he said, hey, this, you know, like the stuff that didn't land on albums generally falls into a couple different categories, like total shit stuff that just didn't fit onto an album, you know, but was good anyway, or just kind of weirdos or, or jokes. And this has all of them. Um, I think the funniest note in this is, uh, uh, related to, uh, oh gosh, King of the Road. He says, if there was any justice in this world, Roger Miller should be able to sue us for, for what we did to this song.
1: And, and we talked about it at the time it's bad. Yeah. Like that King of the Road is real. Like just guys <laughs> well, farting around the studio. Well, they're, sh- they're shouting chords at each other. <laughs> yeah <laughs> like it's it's you know should not be down to a record at all but it trans and then it transitions right from walter's scene though which is delightful oh yeah um yeah and really cute the um yeah he he talks about it like he says that this should be like like thumbing through old 45s yeah it's like, like going it to a junk, like junk shop yeah. yeah like a junk shop experience which is valuable and uh and cool so um yeah so there's some kind of like just little highlight like jokey things about the uh you know the thing and little bits of insight we've already presented that come from these liner notes so like yeah. Things like we talked about how, you know, Ages of You and Burning Down were these two attempts to turn that into a song mm-hmm. for the album, and they kind of just got burnt out and
0: sick of it, like he confirms yeah. here. Yeah. Which is which is weird because it never landed on an album, so there was never any demand or reason for them to play it. It just, yeah, yeah it just, the, the, their relationship with that song has kind of been the through line of this series for us.
1: It's, uh, yeah, they've, I mean, they've, it's it was, Ages of You was really early, so they have yeah. had that song kicking around forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also in the books that we have read, like we like I've seen reference where like they're, you know, birders down, they're kind of hanger on people like those songs. Yeah, yeah. So you can imagine them just be like, hey, I love that song. Like, play that tonight. <laughs> like, All right. Not your jukebox, right, Jefferson. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. Um, but there are a couple of things like, hey, this has crazy uh, cover by Pylon, a band that we talked about a lot in the first couple of episodes um, mm-hmm. that uh, actually Peter Buck heard that for the first time when Chronic Town was released. and He got real bummed out thinking like, oh, they're just doing so much better than us. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's a good version of that song. Yeah. They, yeah. They do a great job of it. I think we I think
1: that was the B side. And the last episode, we talked about them calling them up, trying to get the lyrics. Mm hmm. Uh, that yeah but yeah for the most part this is just kind of like a collection of that ephemera this is the kind of thing that i feel like is kind of obviated by youtube yeah um you know at the time it made sense to have all this stuff in one place and i really appreciate having the disc Mm -hmm. it also got released with chronic town yes Um, chronic town this is the first time chronic town was ever on cd yeah uh was attached to this i think it might
0: the only time that chronic town was on c until it became its own um its its own side thing or its its own digital distribution thing
1: I definitely had it attached to Murmur at some point. Oh wow! Well. And I don't know how. Huh. Like that could have been like a weird bootleg, like you know, because the the record store in my hometown used to have bootleg CDs and stuff and weird like imports, yeah, and things. That might be how I got it. But I definitely had a Chronic Town Murmur. Yeah. Um, but there's also Chronic Town Deluther to Office, mm-hmm. uh, which made, th- that turns it into a great value actually. Yeah. You know, if if you don't don't have
0: access to it. Because mm-hmm. Chronic Town's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, So this was kind of accompanied by a uh, a VHS release of all of their home videos, not home videos, sorry, of all of their music videos of, uh, you know, the A-Sides. And that was called REM Succumbs, which, again, showing this kind of like nose turned up attitude toward the idea of music videos. Yeah. Yeah. Which is
1: what's going to be interesting is in the next episode when we talk about document is the turning point where they kind of embrace that medium. Yeah like the music videos start looking like music videos (laughs) with document and then continue on. Yeah. You know, until they eventually kind of got more interesting, but like, you know, they, they, there's a real, the one I love video is a real standard. Yeah. Um, kind of thing. But yeah, Mm -hmm. like just kind of in, in looking back on this collection of songs, you know, and this is stuff we've covered throughout the whole series.
0: Do you have a favorite?
1: Do you want to do a a favorite, least favorite? That's (laughs) from death letter office.
0: Yeah. Um, I really, really enjoy, uh, blue eyes. Mm. Yeah. Um, it like just, so this has three, um, this has three Velvet Underground songs on them uh, on it. I think they're all really, really good covers. Um, and yeah, so I'm going to say that one. Yeah,
1: yeah. I I, uh, I like the. I think I like the original version of that song a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, and what, what's uh, what's your, what's your what's your loser? On this? <sighs> I mean,
0: okay. So are we going to jettison King of the Road? Let's jettison King of the Road and let's jettison Voice of Harold. <laughs> yeah, because that's, that you know, is that's,
1: that's so clearly like a joke.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm going to say uh, burning hell. Yeah, this is <laughs> extremely rough. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's uh, it's not uh, not my favorite thing. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I don't even think it was a it was a good idea. Like I'm not indifferent to it, like I am to something like uh, like white tornado. Yeah. yeah, yeah, white tornado is hard to hate. Yeah, um, I would probably say
1: my favorite song on the B sides compilation is probably Crazy hmm. uh, Cover of Crazy um and then uh maybe follow like i i like you know burning down and ages of you i wish they had combined those two and made it into just like an album track Mm -hmm. but um i also like bandwagon a lot actually too but like i think that uh crazy is probably my favorite and then my loser is probably uh femme fatale which is a song i like the original version of with nico singing Mm -hmm. it but the rem version seems like a boring stunt to me like it's like a really really slow like they, I don't know why you would take really slow Velvet Underground songs and then like crank down the BPM twenty beats <laughs> per minute. Like yeah. you know that lot.
0: seems the opposite direction to me. Yeah, and uh, it's it's kind of the opposite of the direction they usually go with their covers. Yeah. They usually punch them up. Almost all covers do that.
1: Yeah. You know, like a lot of covers. You know, covers and live versions tend to be faster, not slower. Yeah. Uh, so like I think I think Femme Fatale is a real slog on here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And like Burning Hell is not good.
0: No. Like right. It is. You know. But
1: it's a that's an
0: extremely bad song too. <laughs> yeah, <Sorry>. but, <laughs> like 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 Fem Fem Vitalik, it's fine. It just bores me. Burning Hell is just like ab- abrasive. Yeah, I don't. It's burning hell.
1: They also so in October of 1988, and we're kind of doing this, you know, getting out of order a little bit because mm-hmm. Document comes out in here as well. But we wanted to cover uh, talk about their uh, actual greatest hits compilation that came out that exlu- exclusively covers their IRS years uh, eponymous. Which I think is a great title for something.
0: Oh yeah. Uh actually. Yeah, it's a good uh it's a good exotic word.
1: Yeah. 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 And um, also kind of it's it's really appropriate for like it's kind of empty. Mm-hmm. Like naming something a reference to it to titles <laughs> in general, you know, kind of
0: encapsulates how
1: you know what a greatest hits compilation kind yeah. of is. Like it's yeah. kind of an empty
0: expression. Yeah, and it's like REM as themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this um is, is is kinda neat because it's not just a straight up like, hey, a repressing of what was there before. Um with stuff from the um the really, really early years, they actually chose uh versions and takes that they felt worked better than what ultimately made its way to the public. So like instead of having the murmur version of Radio for Europe on here, they have the original hip tone cover, not uh, not cover demo. Yeah. 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 I mean do you
1: think so the uh so that part of it was like the versions they thought were better I always feel like these kind of things and this happens with all greatest hits compilations where they put one or two new songs or alternative mixes to get Mm -hmm. people who own all the albums to buy the greatest hits as well. I could see that. And that feels like part of it, too, Mm -hmm. you know, because there's definitely like some tokenism on this. Yeah. uh, As far as like, you know, there's there's one token new song, uh, which I'm glad (laughs) they included. Yeah, You know, but it is,
0: uh, you know, just one extra song and then these extra mixes for complete completionists. Yeah, I could see that. Um, I, I think that maybe they would if that's the angle they were going for. I don't know that they would have made the alternate take their most popular one that people might have like sought it out for. It mm-hmm. I, I guess uh, Radio for Europe wasn't as wasn't the most popular thing by this point. Probably the one I love or whatever. Um, But yeah, that doesn't seem like the most intuitive, the intuitive one to kind of tokenize for that. Yeah. 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 An alternate vocal take on gardening at night actually seems to make a lot of sense to me.
1: I think that that makes more sense than yeah. the the Radio for Europe or the um the horns mix <laughs> thing. Yeah. Um yeah. So this is um, you know, like I said, this came out in October of 88, as we mentioned. Um this is uh you know, the outside the liner notes they file under green, and a lot <laughs> of the imagery is this kind of uh uh you know green grass thing. I remember reading, and this is not in the REM books I'm reading now, but way back just random detail that has stayed with me since i was like 17 reading the rem book i read when i was younger mm-hmm. and people joking about it being called file under gain because oh, it being yeah. like a cash grab <laughs> so and things <that's, laughs> that hound rem for the for the
0: rest of eternity because yeah. we, you know we resent a success mm-hmm. so yeah all of a sudden they are up and you can punch there mm-hmm. yeah but, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, File Grain was also uh, kind of a concession or admission that uh, talk about the passion is about hunger mm. a little bit, too. Yeah. Um, that is what I read in my books on, the, on that. And one
1: of the weird things <laughs> is this is when Talk About the Passion was released as a single um, yeah. is actually the single for this uh, for this album. And there is a video for it, uh, which we talked about way back in the Murmur episode. I think mm-hmm. that had all the pictures of warships and then like the end had big white. You know letters that was like a warship cost this much money in this this year <laughs> yeah uh that was it was kind of interesting for them to take this real old number and release it as a a single mm-hmm.
0: you know, this late in the game, yeah, um, especially this real old number that was not indicative of where they were at at that point as a band, where they're going at all, yeah,
1: yeah, like that like you talk about the passion couldn't be more different than you know, document.
0: Yeah, um, so a, a, a fun detail about this that I that I like is so on the inside cover there's a picture of Michael Stipe with uh, writing over the top that says they airbrushed my face because Michael Stipe suffers from acne a lot and his you know complexion is really pocked pockmarked and scarred so he wanted to kind of make this faint toward uh, kind of genuineness but he didn't actually publish the original picture. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't understand. Yeah. It it kind of seems to defeat the point there. I think it's it's just him generally. It's like art fuckery.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Kind of thing. Like embracing the artifice of you know, kind of like a postmodern modern yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I think is the idea there. Mm-hmm. Um Peter Buck wrote liner notes for this as well. Which is kinda, you know. Kind of like the way that you get this information about when things mm-hmm. were recorded and, and, you know, who and what the circumstances were. Yeah. And there's some
0: kind of neat little details there. Yeah. It's it's either these liner notes or Peter Buck talking with Bucket of Brains.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, it's, if, you, if your subscription to Bucket of Brains has ran out, you've got this. Um, yeah. There's some, like, really cool ones. I love the um, the bit for Gardening at Night where he's like, um, says like uh, written on a mattress in a front yard, now condominiums. Yep. Like that, like the the economy of that, that's, you know, that
0: uh, <laughs> it's a baby shoes, um, you yeah.
1: know, what we, yeah, exactly. What we talk about when we talk about love, like mm-hmm. Raymond Carver economy for that now condominiums. Yeah.
0: You know, that's <laughs> real good. Yeah. Uh, this is where he says that the uh, hip tone demo of radio for Europe crushes the other one like a grape. Yeah. Um, so it was them kind of making a statement, I suppose. Or
1: Mike and Jefferson think that.
0: Yes. Specifically.
1: Like, so he, he kind of talk he calls out the people who like different mixes and kinda, <laughs> yeah, he
0: throws them under the you know. bus yeah,
1: yeah totally like he does it like the uh, for uh fall on me he's like michael likes this one <laughs> i
0: was like i, just, I really don't like this song what are yeah, you talking about like it's really no. fucking good yeah geez <laughs> pete yeah um uh like he comes out and says like yeah uh fables of the reconstruction uh you know people misunderstand it but it was in the right direction so like they were already coming around on it as a work by this point yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. No, he talks about that. That's uh he talks about that. Life's first pageant. Not oh. Fables of the Instruction. oh, sorry.
0: Whoops. Yeah, yeah. pageant. No,
1: that's OK. I got this confused. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, because it didn't. Uh, this is probably too fresh for them to come around on, mm-hmm. you know, fables, which eventually they do. But I think that happened later. Yeah. Um, and you can see the uh, kind of the fables, the songs that came from fables. There's just two. Mm-hmm. And they're pretty dismissive. Like Driver Eight is
0: Train Song from Fables with Train Video. <laughs>
1: like it, it's, you know, <laughs> it's it's like a white label or white box black text. You yeah, know.
0: Yeah, it's the it's the album liner note from Repo Man.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Line, you know. uh And then for can't get there from there, he just says that Philomath, uh, where it's located, that it once had its own post office, which <laughs> is, I still think is a funny joke. It is. Um, yeah. the uh, the new song that uh, is here is from the Maiden Heaven soundtrack, which is a 1987 film, which I have not seen. Yeah. Has a song called Romance. Um, there's an, another old song, like there's an old uh, Murmur version of this. Yeah, I think yeah. that we talked about. It was uh, um, it was
0: uh, written alongside Stumble, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, um, and I I always, always like this one. I like uh, that when guitar, you know, that jin ding 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 ding. Like I'm always into into the kind of that beat. Um.
0: So I've always kind of liked this number. Yeah, it's real. uh, It's 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 real halting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uh, I I like it. I like it quite a bit. And also, it has that kind of like ghostly, like everybody down in the mix production that is just not where they're at right now. Again,
1: (laughs) yeah, especially the chorus. Like the chorus is really hard to kind of figure out what's going on. Yeah, uh, with every individual instrument. Yeah, Uh, the the drums get real like percussionisty as opposed (laughs) to drummer. You know, and it's a kind of switch between that uh, that punk. You know, I mean, it's not like a Pong, if you thought REM couldn't rock. They, they, they <laughs> kind of, that you know, dent, 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 you know, kind of thing. And then going into this, like, lower sound bed mm-hmm. kind of quality for the chorus. And I think the con- the conflict really works.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's good. And I'm happy it exists. So when we talk about stuff, you know, this kind of being obviated by YouTube, what if YouTube is an amazing resource. I get terrified of rights shit just taking all of that away. Like, it is... I think it is pretty ephemeral. It is more ephemeral than, than actually having a, uh, an actual product that is put out with this. And that's why I really love the fact that they, that they have these two things that like gathered, gathered these up and kind of like put them in the arc a little bit. Like, I'm, I'm glad
1: that they're in the arc. I think that that ephemeralness, like that's a, uh, anxiety I, I sympathize with and then mm-hmm. has never come to fruition. Yeah. So like, you know, for years and years, this stuff has just kind of stuck around. Like when I found, when I find videos of weird, oddities and live shows and stuff like that, that R.E.M. definitely has the rights to take down, Mm -hmm. um, they're, you know, several years old Yeah, and, uh, and some point you will re-up, you know, it's, it's this constant like whack-a-mole with a thousand armed Kraken that like rights companies try to do and they just will never keep up. And R.E.M. is actually really good in that like a lot of bands have started owning their stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, for this. So if you go to the R.E.M. channel on YouTube, they have a lot of like everything that's been on one of their albums, they probably have a version of. Yeah you know, either live or, or a studio version of, um, all their music videos, all that, like, and I think bands are getting better about that. Mm -hmm. Um, like I just, I, I picked up the newest new pornographers record and all of those songs, they just put up the audio track of it on YouTube. You know, like it's, it's here. If you want to listen to it on YouTube, you can like, it's streaming on NPR. You can listen to it on YouTube. Like they recognize that, you know, people who want to own it will own it. Mm Mm-hmm people who want to own it legally will get there one way or another. Mm-hmm. And like, why make yourself a bad guy? Yeah. You know? So I think that, um, you know, it's, it's possible for them to take it down. I'm glad the CDs exist because
0: I don't want them to ever go away, but I think that we're, we're probably okay too. Yeah. Fingers you know? crossed. I just hope that if they're taken down, somebody has a backup they can put up. It's my, yeah. it's my biggest thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I do. I do not want to like have this, you know, have that all happen and then have the show end with me sending an email to like, some weird fan rss board or uh you know uh not RSS, icq kind of board and like try to like you know get somebody uh what word am i looking for you're looking it's for uh, like irc thank you i yeah. am looking for our irc channel yeah. thank you <laughs> um fun. yeah but I, I so i don't end up having to like join an irc channel to like you know it <laughs> R you know or like rem slash bootlegs yeah <laughs> you know
0: hashtag mumblers
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. Like Mumble Patrol. Like I need I need a save. Like I need the B side for Electron Blue. What you're the yeah. asshole who didn't like gardening at night? Fuck you. Yeah. Banned. No, yeah. yeah. Um uh, So uh hopefully that does not happen and YouTube uh, continues. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And the, Republic, the GOP will find a way to take it away from us. No, I mean of course. Like um <laughs> literally working on it right now, I'm sure. Yep. Yeah. So there's a couple uh like oddity things that we might have missed. When we talk about oddities, uh Gary, you found jazz lips. I found jazz lips, baby. <laughs> I wish um, you hadn't. Yeah, oh it's, no. It's excruciating. Mitch, what'd you do? Yeah, it's, it's um I take back all the nice things I said about Mitch Easter.
0: It, it, it's, uh, Chronic you know, Town is worse in uh it's it is
1: worse for this existing. Yeah, it it's really, really rough. It's yeah. like um it's real. It's all tape loops and weird kind of tribal drumming. Yeah. Uh kind of kind of loops and then just kind of guitar fuckery over it. Yeah. Um it's real ugly. It's like 4 minutes long. Um it's excruciating.
0: Yeah. Uh, and uh, n- not uh so w- we don't do this but since it's my edit, like I really want to underline this. I'm going to put in a small little s- snippet of it.
1: Put in, put in eight minutes of it. <laughs> put it,
0: put it,
1: in, in it twice. Um, and just. just yeah. Just, uh, you know, as a, as a kind of loyalty test for people listening, and see if they can get to their, their part where their letter gets read. <laughs> G- gentlemen, prepare your skip button. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and then under jazzics jazz lips, we'll just be like, Casper mattresses" <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> a new good, kind uh, of
0: hybrid memory foam.
1: Like, fuck this fucking like is being voted the internet's best favorite mattress. <laughs> go to hell. <laughs> 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 Awarding yourself as meaningless accolade. Like, <laughs> like, it's quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress. It's the Those mattress. Nothing together. Like, it's the mattress you've heard the most about. Yeah, exactly. It's probably the mat. Yeah, it's probably the mattress I have to hear about the most. <laughs> it's amazing, I can go through my whole life without somebody telling me about a mattress until you fucking came along. Yeah. you
0: know. Well, to be fair, we probably cut about mm, forty-five to sixty minutes of me telling you about Serta mattresses. You yeah know, I, i'm not endorsed sure. i'm just a fan every episode it just yeah. kind of like
1: no yeah, yeah. we we have to it's our pre-game yeah
0: <laughs> i just i just like game boy like it's, it's, gary, it's gary met me in a mattress store and i've never stopped yep. pitching
1: yeah it's it's a superhero <laughs> origin He used to work there we it's, it's GameStop, and you think it's the video game GameStop, but it's where you're like your pickup game stops yeah. in bed <laughs> Yep. so it was this mattress store for puas yep <laughs> where there's the certa boys yeah. going, going to town <laughs> but but, but Buy buy the fuck pillow and get a tarp for free. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But he won't even let me fuck it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. But yeah, the um Yeah, internet ads. And then those those uh those Casper ads that are about the unboxing of it. Yep. Like how desperate sad is inhales. that? Like, yeah. yeah, like like having to listen to, you know, people I admire uh try to explain how cool it is to open a box how cool the shipping logistics are yeah yeah it's so cool <laughs> it comes in the box the size of a mini fridge yep. makes oh, oh are you, are you fucking uh, two bits of gander like i'll give you a nickel <laughs> to see a box the size of a mini fridge has well, a whole mattress in it What? Well, what i want is i have a room.
0: well what i want is the story of a person who opens the box in too small of a room yeah, <laughs> it dies, uh, or like a murder who is like house is filled with those boxes, and then like there's an earthquake uh, or
1: something, they all burst. Yeah. The house explodes like the house at the end of a uh, real genius. <laughs> 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 like good, good real genius poll uh, so I, I they, they played it at the Sackleron Theater by my house. I saw oh, that
0: like uh... months ago. That's a fun movie. It's,
1: it's real good, yep. like uh, that weird of uh, that 80s, uh you know, science nerd revenge yep.
0: movies. <laughs> like there's two of them. And good. <laughs> there's two of them. Yeah, uh, I I definitely prefer this to Revenge of the Nerds, though. I think uh, oh, yeah. I think a young Val Kilmer is great as the uh, as the he's, burnout he's, slacker genius.
1: He's very good. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think I think Revenge of the Nerds would be good without the weird like rape part of it
0: yeah yeah booger booger's a great character you know yeah that's weird jocks only think about sports nerds only think about sex yeah that's real gross booger's a great character i love the scene mm-hmm. uh when they when they get the uh the black frat people to come by chariot. that's extremely funny <laughs> and the electric violin solo all of those are good things oh yeah
1: the, the whole band thing at the end is really fun yeah
0: yeah that, that's really good um
1: <sighs> yeah anywho um uh, <laughs> Jazz Lips. Uh, I also found a couple of other old songs from their early days that are originals mm-hmm. uh, that I think we missed. Um, and these just came up in also things and, and missed them just for completionist sake. Yeah. Um, so there's an old uh, old original track called September Song. Uh, September uh, Sang. Oh, September Sang. Thank you. Yes. Um, which uh, the recording is from the I&I Club in Athens from 1982. Um, and this is I think uh, it's pretty slight, but I think it has a lot of like the kind of REM 60s Mm-hmm. influence to it uh,
0: yeah, that would yeah. kind of come up a little bit more later yeah um i like the lyrics to this they are that they, they are simple and cute mm-hmm. yeah.
1: yeah yeah um there's another song too here called ha we get paid for it yeah and, <laughs> and uh a little grandiose but okay <laughs> yeah all right guys yeah. like not yet you don't No. okay like, i read i read the book <laughs> like, you, you'll get there but yeah not there yeah
0: um yeah, and this is uh this is real cool. It, it it's kind of like a like a mix between like Gang of Four and Pylon a little bit. Like yeah. a, like real uh just kind of like clean but dark and reverb reverberated guitar. Mm-hmm. Um real real kind of drony. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah, I think this would
1: have been neat if this got cleaned up and mm-hmm. could have been in that like the weird Gang of Four slot that they had on <laughs> you know uh on Fables and uh and yeah, Murmur yeah. or like uh like back half of maybe uh reckoning, probably. Yeah. 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 I think this would have been neat if it got developed. Um, I understand, you know, they got sick of it, but yeah. it was a cool idea. Um, we also, I think we made a brief reference to this at one point about Michael Stipe's uh, kind of side pieces. Yes. Yeah, so he's
0: got uh, in one of the first episodes, we talked about uh, Tanzplagen, which was like the, the German noise rock kind of thing. Uh, it's really good. I like that a lot, actually. <laughs> um, uh, but the other one that uh, that he did that gets a lot of uh, mentions is the Golden Palominos.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he cut an album with them in, uh, 1987.
0: Yeah. I think it was think like the, uh, like in that weird, like, Oh, we have free time section after, uh, after or during life, life's rich pageant. Yes. Yeah. yeah this was, uh,
1: and he, uh, they have their 1985
0: album visions of excess. Um,
1: mm-hmm. uh, Michael Stipe was a member of the band, um, like kind of did, uh, you know, lead vocals on several different songs. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, and they're they're not bad. What's kind of interesting uh, when I was looking into this is that uh, this was Sid Straw's band, hmm. and I was always trying to figure out why Sid Straw was famous, uh, <laughs> who is like somebody who's just kind of been floating around. Okay, um, you know, uh, in general, she's on an episode of um, she's the math teacher on Adventures of Pete and Pete, so that's why I knew, you know, she was involved in that oh, world. Oh
0: yeah, there we go. Yeah, there, there, um, there, there's this, there, there's that weird like post-punk Pete and Pete stripe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She she came out
1: and there's like I used to have a They Might Be Giants bootleg where she came out and sang part of a song with them. Yeah, like who is Sid Straw? Like, and, yeah. and now I know she's the Golden Palominos. Yeah. Um, and at some point, uh, Matthew Sweet was in the Golden Palominos as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the, their other kind of claim to fame. So it's kind of this weird super group.
0: Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And uh, this is this is pretty good. Like it is kind of drony and jammy in a way that I can get down with. Um, mm-hmm. And like this is I, I, I really think Michael Michael Stipe having as much control over the mix as he's ever had because he is like below he's below everything.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's kind of neat. Like yeah. it's um you know, it's it's kind of dated <laughs> sounding. Um, It doesn't sound timeless the same way that like a lot of good REM does. But it's uh I dig it. Yeah. Um, around this time also, Michael Stipe did some vocals and I think co-writing of a song called uh, A Campfire Song on the 10,000 Me Next album, In My Tribe. Yes. Um, which, you know, we talked about his friendship with Natalie Merchant. Yeah. And that's going to come up next episode as well.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh, if we ever need a new bonus episode for this, we should really do... Um, uh, sentimental, like, hygiene. Uh, so sentimental Hygiene? Sentimental uh, Hygiene. We're going to bring that up next episode. I was thinking the Pete and Pete episode where Michael Stipe is a guest star.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> the the, the sickles. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, that would be fun. Yeah, um, you know, and when when that comes up, we can definitely talk about it. It's a really fun performance. Yeah, yeah, Pete Beats Pete's pretty really good. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm due for a rewatch actually. Yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's an extremely good show. <laughs> um, so yeah, so the uh the the letters in the Dead Letter Office uh, uh Dead Letter Office episode uh, come from you guys. <laughs> so we've got a bunch of responses from people.
0: Um, yeah. and we're going to read them. Yeah, uh, we're uh, really thankful that people kind of came out. Um, the, there's a lot of really thoughtful and uh, kind of uh, um yeah yeah there's a lot of thoughtful stuff here and a lot of people praised us which I really appreciate uh maybe a little bit more of that got through than usually comes through. Mhm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh so let's get started with Kyle who writes in saying I'm listening along with the series mostly to get a perspective on 80s and 90s music that I totally missed. One touchstone of the show is the character uh the character type of southern weirdo. Since I'm Canadian, this is a thing that I had never heard of before. Can you talk a bit about what you mean by southern weirdo and how they differ from your weirdo vulgaris? I just had to I googled weirdo vulgaris to see if it was actually a term that I didn't know
1: <laughs> and not just, you know, yeah, it, like kind of a joke about taxonomy.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, it's a it's a joke about taxonomy, like the common weirdo. Yeah. Yeah. The um
1: I don't I don't think this is actually like a thing <laughs> that has a broad swath to it. I think it just kind of, um, we mean a weirdo in the South.
0: Yeah. We're and like weirdo in the South probably has a, a very individualistic streak probably, mm-hmm. um, is not reclusive, um, for the majority of the time, definitely probably gets their weirdness out and is like a, more, a part of the community probably. And I'm literally just kind of like reverse engineering that from the people that we hear about on fables.
1: Yeah, like like a like um like a uh um what's the word it's not folk art but it's like outsider, outsider art. Yeah, outsider. Yeah, like yeah. outsider artist. You know, so like a a kind of rural strange person who's not a stereotyp like a stereotypical like like a hillbilly or anything. Right, right. Like we're not talking about that. It's like somebody who is kind of um like like a like a more friendly deliverance. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Yeah. You know, like, like a strong, you know, the, how those guys had a strong individualistic streak. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know,
0: um, but, but they knew what they wanted. Yeah,
1: exactly. I, I mean, I think like, uh, outsider artist yeah. or something, you know, like that is is the biggest thing I'm thinking of. Like, mm. you know, eccentrics.
0: Yeah, ex- you ex- know, which eccentric, are not that, probably.
1: not that different than a northern eccentric or American eccentric or I imagine yeah. a Canadian eccentric. Yeah. Um, but with that kind of, uh, folksy history yeah bit that the South has
0: yeah i could I could you see know? that I would also say, um like a northern eccentric or a or an urban or city eccentric probably has other weirdos that they can get along with um mm-hmm. and kind of become a part of a community, whereas a southern weirdo. Um, kind of sticks out because there probably are not as many people like them. Like Michael Stipe, if he was not successful, would have become a Southern weirdo. Like he would have, yeah. he would have just like after Howard Finster died, just moved into his statue garden like a little a hermit <laughs> crab. <laughs> yeah, like, like a
1: garlic <laughs> crab. Yeah. And then the, uh, yeah, I mean, because I guess in, like when I think about a Northern eccentric like that, uh, that kind of stuff becomes hip. Yeah, yeah. You know, you become Andy Warhol and you start like a, you know, an art movement. Whereas yeah. I feel like in a less urban area, you're more likely to be kind of, you know, again, like individually, like it's not part of a movement. Yeah. You know, Howard Finster isn't part of a movement. Right. You know, and then some of these people are just legitimately like mentally unwell people. Like that life right. is ha- life and how to live it guy mm-hmm. who is just, uh, you know, that kind of thing maybe is more likely to happen in the South because of isolation.
0: Yeah. And, yeah.
1: you know, and all this stuff is is kind of moot now because of the Internet. Right. So right. like now there are no isolated weirdos yeah every weirdo right. just goes on to like whatever reddit and 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 just finds a bunch of people like them
0: <laughs> yeah life and how to live it would have been a would have been a live journal um or, totally it would you know it yeah. would have been
1: like you know in, in r slash poll you know thing
0: about anti-semitism <laughs> yeah like, it been, oh, oh you my know, god like an so,
1: anti-semitic anthem so
0: we praise this dude and we say all these nice things about him like oh gosh like what a weird story how cool would that be just to find out that life and how to live it is this crazy anti-semitic screed so sorry yeah, <laughs> yeah. uh we you know are not
1: uh, pro anti semitism. No, I'm ex- I'm extremely pro semitism. <laughs>
0: yeah, you know, yeah, <sighs> yeah. So hopefully that uh that that so here here's here's my shorthand for for for, for Canada. Like the south there is just um it's a, it's like uh Ottawa or Alberta. Mm-hmm. So just say like oh yeah picture picture somebody who lives like in a small like ranching town who uh, who dresses weird. There you go.
1: Yeah yeah and if kids in the hall has like taught me anything there are people like that oh yeah
0: you know the, uh, <laughs> and yeah and they probably dress like women the, the,
1: the, the kids <laughs> in the hall has taught me anything yeah if, if the kids um, in the hall has taught me anything if kids in the hall has taught me anything is that dave Foley is the most attractive of the kids in the hall <laughs> when he's a woman yep um <laughs> yeah it's kind of strange isn't it yeah it he, he works yeah um jordan says or yeah, uh thank you kyle yes thank you uh jordan says I'm a fan of all your work, and uh, work. And at the time of the show's premiere, REM was my biggest musical blind spot. As a musician myself, I was often chided for missing out on one of the greatest bands to come in our time. After a time, I simply resigned it to being one of those things you never get around to. That is until the Soft Boys came to save the day. Uh, soft Boys is a band too. Yeah, um, a good band. Uh, you do have the ability to make anything interesting, and our premiere podcast pros. Thank you. Um, I think uh, I thank you for making me take the plunge and doctorating
0: me into the REM fandom. Keeping being forces for good. Thanks. I Thanks we're not. Sure indoctr- yes, thank you very much. I hope we're not indoctrinating people. I hope that we are persuading them with our uh, with our enthusiasm.
1: I hope that we're indoctrinating people. <laughs> okay, cool. <Yeah. laughs> I'll, I'll take it. Um, ah, <laughs> We get paid for it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm Stipe.
1: Hey, um, look at me. I'm Michael Stipe. <laughs> I'm Big Stipe from Stipe Time Records. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... Yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I feel like if you are like a musician and you like like this is, you know, one of those bands where even if we don't convince you to like them, like, you know, the, the importance is not really arguable. Right. You know, and if you're a musician, I think it's like like or a songwriter like this is, you know, part of the text. Yeah. You know, so even if it's not to your personal taste, like it's worth knowing about because mm-hmm. it is important. Yeah.
0: Um, and like you, so it might not be to your taste, but they're, you know, they, they are a diverse enough band that I feel, feel happy that we can call out like, Hey, this is, this is kind of what this song or this album represents in terms of like their evolution or their arc. So like we can, you know, I feel good about helping people maybe find the REM thing. That's a, that's a good fit for them.
1: Yeah. You know. Yeah. Cause they're, they're definitely a band for which, you know, that has faces, Yes, you know, and like what I find, uh, and it's, You know, I can't say this definitively since I've always kind of feel like I've always liked this band was like one of my first favorite bands. But Mm -hmm. the um, the parts of it that I like gets me through even albums I don't think are super great, right? Right. Because there's always going to be like little hints of the stuff that I really like, even if it gets de-emphasized. You know, so like the next out, like uh, talked about on Life's First Pageant, uh, the lyrics kind of being you know a bit more direct uh, (laughs) internally, like, and then Document's going to take that really far. Yeah. Um, and I still don't love that part of it but these other things I love that I grew to love in periods that are more friendly to me yeah uh, are still on offer a little bit
0: yeah it's a little bit like uh like sourdough <laughs> like there, <laughs> there there's just a small piece of the original thing that is carried through and used as like a starter for something else yeah yeah yeah. Um, Liam writes, File Underwater convinced me to pick up the definitive definitive editions of the first three R.E.M. albums. They're great, especially because you can hear Mike Mills' bass lines more audibly. And while I can name ten examples that this show has highlighted for me so far, nowhere is this more clear than the track Harbor Coat. There is a bass note on the fourth chord of the verse, which is so out of key, yet absolutely perfect for what that song needs. Mills' playing is aggressive and weird, yet perfectly fits what the band is doing. Uh, The only other bassist that I can think that does this in such a revelatory way is Peter Hook of the Joy Division and New Order, uh, who is the best bassist of all time. So good company for our nerdy boy uh thanks again for doing the show it's been fun to revisit this stuff with fresh ears p.s you're so wrong about gardening at night and there's a wink about yes there's, the, the, the there's least, a there's a about. About the wink about yeah uh, um, uh, the wink
1: about what makes it okay
0: it, it, yeah uh so liam is very active in the slack he's one of our mods and he's definitely one of the people who's most kind of responsive when we put out mm-hmm. new stuff um yeah. and yes we have disagreements i think that maybe we reacted a little bit too strongly to gardening at night i still don't think it is a it is in the top half of songs on that album
1: yeah i mean i don't i don't think we i mean i don't think we reacted that strongly to it yeah, it's it hard you know i think that like i mean we're probably just like yeah that doesn't really work for me i think that's yeah. probably like you know or, oh i think this is kind of boring i think is the most negative thing we ever say about anything really you know and then, said and then some what, weird stuff about burning hell <laughs> I get, we did just say some some mean stuff about burning hell but like generally I think that what happens sometime between when we record something and someone listens to it yeah because uh, of the contrast people will kind of like you know whatever the reverse of amplify like amplify the dislike of something mm-hmm. you know where it's like like oh I can't believe you hated that and yeah. hate it I just you know like yeah. I don't I don't hate any part of that album like I, don't, right. I don't hate any R.E.M. albums and I don't think I like other than jazz lips and maybe like <laughs> uh, like burning radio hell. song. Yeah, radio song I get a lot of goofs out of. Like, I don't think I would erase radio song from existence because yeah. I think it's really funny. Um, but like, I think it's the worst REM song. Yeah. But the uh, you know, I, I just uh, so I don't think we, I don't think we were super hard on it. But I could be misremembering that too. Yeah. I just um, I
0: think we called it like adult contempo. and you know that was part of the um part part of us making a point about Chronic Town kind of having a lot of the like being evidence of a lot of the of directions that they would go um yeah. later on and i think that Guardian at night is like representative of a certain stripe um and i also think we uh reacted poorly to Guardian at Night being like the like the vertical slice that people took out of the chronic town era to say like hey this was them when something like wolves lower or box cars is more is more to our taste
1: yeah yeah i think uh i i agree yeah like i think that's what it was is it's like it doesn't Doing the show the way that we do it, uh, ended up ends up actually kind of like wasn't serving doesn't serve Murmur all that well. Mm-hmm. Because uh, we just did Chronic Town and it's really <laughs> easy to get really excited about Chronic Town and yeah. Murmur is such a weird, you know. even even now like going through the album, like there's no other album that sounds like that no. that they've done. And and I think that uh Gardening at Night is the most representative of that kind of sound. Mm-hmm. You know that kind of uh, until until way later, like until you get to like around the sun style stuff. Yeah, until you get to reveal, yeah, reveal, which is is also has that kind of like everything has a weird reverb on it
0: Mm -hmm. uh, kind of feel to it. Yeah, Uh, but we can all agree on Harbor (laughs) Coat. Oh yeah, yeah, (laughs)
1: yeah. And also, Mike Mills is yeah
0: is the best member of the band. Yeah, um, Uh, he's fantastic. I I want him to be canonized so he can be our patron saint. That would yeah, that'd be great. I'm not just talking about Um, the show. I'm talking for like me personally. He would look great in his
1: uh, his monster outfit on a candle, like a, like a saint candle. <laughs> oh, God, you're right. Like that, like that's like it literally like looks like that. Like that would be that would be a great. If we had if this show was hugely successful, that would be great file underwater merchandise. <laughs> actually, find like,
0: an artisanal candle maker who, like who we can do a print on the side.
1: Totally do it. Like that's like literally a thing. I've seen custom, you know, saint candles before and like a St. Mills like candle is a good idea.
0: <laughs> um, uh, let us know if you want that, and then also find maybe ten to twenty more people who would want that. <laughs> yeah. uh, let per, us know if per, you per want to
1: multi-level marketing <laughs> we're gonna do for Mill Scandal. <laughs> for Mill
0: um, we're going to uh, do this without the without the blessing of Mike Mills, obviously. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, but, uh, comfort and obscurity. Like we had told you to find twenty people, not two hundred. Right, right. um
0: <laughs> We just need to break even because I'm yeah. positive you have to order a shit ton of those. To oh yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. And like as much as like. I would love to light all of them in my house and invite Mike Mills over. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't, you know, don't need use for that bulk.
0: So, no, just, us, uh, yeah, just, just just say that we are holding a uh, a horn rimmed glasses and uh, and hair bleach, uh, yeah, convention <laughs> in your yeah. house,
1: and then just put the whole house under a
0: box with a stick, <laughs> <and> a string. <laughs>
1: like, dance, space, boy. Um, Nick, uh, th- so thank you, Liam. Thank, thank uh, you, Nick. Nick says, uh, as sort of a late bloomer to a lot of iconic alternative or indie rock bands, I've never really given REM their proper due. They were one of my mom's favorite bands, though, and have a lot of memories of her listening to automatic for the people or the Grace Hits album and even singing along to the radio. Uh, She always loved the Leonard Bernstein part of it's the end of the world. When she passed away last year, it sort of prompted me to try and get into the band more, so I picked up Murmur and Eponymous uh, CDs on the cheap and really love them. This coincided with my favorite Dark Souls podcast boys announcing their new show about R.E.M., and so far I haven't been disappointed. I love the show and, uh, and the care and depth you put into it, and your other work. Uh, I'm still figuring out where my R.E.M. tastes lie, but so far I love all the records you've covered on the show so far, and my favorite songs are probably Pretty Persuasion, Fall on Me, and Night Swimming. I was kind of bummed when you guys were ragging on Perfect Circle, though. Anyway, keep up the great work. Yeah, yeah, well, that's
0: that's know. that's a very sweet story of your mom listening yeah. to "It's the End of the World" and singing Leonard Bernstein, which is everybody's favorite line to yeah. Yeah,
1: and we wouldn't take away
0: your joy at a perfect circle. No, no. If we could, I'm probably not going to say very nice things about night swimming. If I'm going to be <laughs> if I'm going to be frank, I, I've I've got mixed feelings on, on yeah. night
1: swimming. Like kind of the like, you know, automatic for the people in general. I feel I feel kind of mixed on yeah. Um, like I like it. Um, it has some of my favorite songs on it,
0: but. Mm-hmm yeah yeah um but yeah that 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 is a very sweet story and i'm 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 happy that we've uh the, 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 that we could serve that purpose for you to uh to, yep. to walk you through it
1: yeah i wish uh you know i will sometimes think about my dad's musical taste as, as an informing mind because he was the person who got me into like tom petty and yeah. paul Simon and stuff and my mom has as as had like pretty bad musical taste so yeah the uh there's lots of lots of garth brooks and stuff and i'm you know i don't feel nostalgic about garth brooks
0: no so yeah so that's that's kind of weird because i had a very similar situation my mom would always listen to like pop country stuff whereas my dad would have um like the police and Nil young tapes mm-hmm. in the uh in, in the in the truck yeah 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 uh, it's, a, it's a it's a cool thing it's like one of the only reasons why
1: one of the only appeals to having kids for me yeah <laughs> is like when they're young and malleable like getting them into uh the when, when I, I used to know this guy back in my band names, this band days this guy named Tony Stanfa who is like a songwriter i really like and musician i really like that uh you know didn't stick with it for mm-hmm. very long um but he had and he had kids yeah and uh he was like he used to talk about like getting them into all this weird like crow rock and and stereo lab and stuff until mm-hmm. his kids like started coming up terms for it when he would listen to music that wasn't like that, his kids would be like, this isn't bubble, bubble music. And like that was their like term for like, you know, stereo lab. And huh. that, I think that's super cool. You know, yeah. the, the kids are making up kind of like, you know, adjectives for the music.
0: Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. I would always be afraid that they would just instinctively react poorly to what I liked. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And well, that happens, it's just when they're teens.
0: Yeah. True. You know, you gotta get them all wrong. we should lock all teens in a tower. Like not yeah. not like a bad tower. tower, yeah, teen tower, not like a bad yeah. tower. I'm not I'm not saying like we should put them in prison. I'm just saying put them in a tower and let them out when they're twenty.
1: Yeah, <laughs> like
0: like like not a prison, but just the,
1: the yeah, un- just, I mean leave. Yeah.
0: yeah yeah just just a place where they can't leave. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's shaped like a tower. Yeah, windows uh, <laughs> for for the the good kids.
0: Yeah. You know, for the for the uh, guards. Yep, yeah. and half a floor for the, the bad trustees. kids. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with
0: that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Doug writes, thanks to your podcast, I've had the pleasure of revisiting REM's catalog in chronological order multiple times. It's now on heavy rotation in my car, and I wonder if it will have any, effect, any lasting effect um, on my one-year-old daughter uh, when she's along for the ride. I guess she ends up listening to your podcast quite a bit, too, uh, but since she's too young to understand your less appropriate jokes, she's fine for now. Probably. I think. <laughs> God, I hope Eh. (laughs) a couple of those were my own. He he stopped it. Probably. Um, um, In any event, the exercise has got me thinking about why REM holds such a special place in music generally. And for me personally, I think the secret is the level of craftsmanship and thoughtfulness combined with Stipe's uh, vocal delivery. Uh, There are plenty of bands that write catchy tunes, have deep lyrics, and play their instruments well. But for the most part, R.E.M. does all three deftly without ever sounding like they are trying too hard. Uh, They lack the pretension that plagues so many of their indie peers and descendants. And that's where Stipe comes in. His vocals are neither talking nor singing. It's as if he's simply speaking in melody. The uh, The directness of that humble sound makes it feel as if this band is meeting you on a very personal level. Uh there are plenty of great American rock bands. I'll always be up for a Springsteen, a Neil Young, hell, even your Max Fleetwood. Uh but there's just nothing that speaks straight to your psyche the way REM does. Thanks for putting together this incredible retrospective, and hopefully be, hopefully you'll be able to find another artist worthy of this treatment. Bowie perhaps? Depeche mode. The
1: um I think I think Doug's on to something where um I think I've said this before and if I haven't, uh it's definitely true that I think REM would be would not be a great band if Michael Stipe was a really good singer. Yeah. Like if he was like excellent and classically trained and stuff, this would be a, like wouldn't get anywhere. Like this band wouldn't have taken off, you know, that approachableness Mm -hmm. is super important and that, uh, it can't just be approachableness and like their sense of guy, you know, who they are and what they talk about. It also has to be in level of skill. Like they popped out just like, here's a, you know, a super virtuosic guitar line. And here's, you know, like they're very, you know, they're good at what they do, Mm -hmm. but it's not showy. And I, you know, I can't speak for everyone, but at least for me, like, I'm way put off by that stuff. (laughs) Like, I do not want someone to come up and, like, kill it with this aria in the middle of a, a thing. Yeah. You know, that's really unappealing to me.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, like, Stipe's vocal sound is what got me into R.E.M. Like, I was always somebody who liked listening to lyrics, but his the character in his voice made me kind of lean forward and kind of informed me on that and you know the first REM on that i really really got into we're going to talk about next episode but it's the end of the world like that mm-hmm. is kind of the er example of that for me was like just really lead, you know getting into it and i do not know that somebody else would have been able to do it in exactly the same way when the and the really cool
1: thing is that uh the way that like you or I like got into him singing that way mm-hmm. mirrors how when he talks about like being really influenced by Patti Smith and being mm-hmm. like, I didn't know that people could sing like that. Like there's like oh, a yeah. quote where he's like, I didn't know you could just go up there and belt it out, <laughs> you know, and like that's that's so important to their sound and also to me in all forms of art. <laughs> uh, you know, that's like so so, uh, you know, aspirational and, and kind of inspirational and informative of like what I like to do. Yeah. You know, Um yeah, yeah and I, I think it's great. I think that's, that's really, really onto to something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as far as like once the show ends, we don't know. Yeah, um, I think right now, like the plan is just to have it, you know, have this be the show. And yeah. then, you know, know that we're going to do because we've got network stuff we're going to do that may make replacing this, you know, preclude that.
0: Right. Um, we'll make an announcements soon. Yeah um, yeah. um. And also, like, it's a little bit tricky because this is a shared point of history that we have kind of digressed into several times previously. Um, there's lots of other stuff that we probably have a shared appreciation about, but one of us is way more passionate about than the other. So, like, right. for this particular collaboration, REM makes sense in a way that, like, a Bowie uh, show doesn't for me to be involved in, unless it's, yeah. unless it's Gary, <laughs> a very one-sided thing of, like, hey, here's somebody who really, really likes David Bowie uh, making a case to somebody who likes Bowie. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be it'd be
1: me convincing you to make David Bowie one of your favorite bands (laughs) instead of convincing the audience. Like I could do that with Bowie, Uh um, but I, you know, I would. It's this show works better when because we both like the thing about equally, you know, roughly equal amounts. And like I love Depeche Mode, but I don't think Depeche Mode would be a good candidate for this. Uh, I think the thing with like Bowie has a lot of changes. Yeah, you know specifically. (laughs) Yes, also, changes. -changes, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) You know, and he has those different eras and it would actually be like almost like a lot more intimidating than that because the eras are so distinct. Yeah. Like Bowie would be really tricky to do, but it would be cool. It would support it. Um but it would just have to be again something that we we both liked equal in equal turns.
0: Yeah. Like Neil Young would be pretty similar, but there are lots of dry stretches. Like after harvest and before trans, there's some fucking bullshit. And then after yeah. trans and before uh before Harvest Moon there's some fucking bullshit. <laughs>
1: Like, yeah, and not that there's not bullshit with, with oh, Bowie yeah. or R.E.M. either, but like, yeah. you know, Neil Young would be a tricky one for that. Mm-hmm. Um, like, if it almost feels like, and this is not uh, thinking, this is only thinking out loud, this is not saying thing we we do, but mm-hmm. it would make more sense, I think, actually, to go kind of smaller yeah. with that. Like, it's like, you could do this kind of show and have a good show about like Velvet Underground. Yep. It'd be really short, because they have a short history, but like, that's interesting. And they're hugely influential and, like, worth talking about. Yeah. And continuously. Yeah. As opposed to going something that, like, a band that goes longer than R.E.M. does and has even more, you know, ups and downs. Yeah. You know, and also, like, even, like, I like Neil Young a lot. I don't like Neil Young as much as I like R.E.M. Oh, yeah. Like, I I couldn't do that, you know. Mm -hmm. I could, but it would be probably the inverse of the David Bowie thing. Like, it would probably be cool convincing somebody who likes Neil Young (laughs) to love Neil Young. Right. Yeah, you know, i'm just not there so this is is kind of just the the perfect perfect storm for that i think
0: yeah well, but you know if this if, if this were popular and it informs other people to do the same thing like i don't know I, i'm i'm happy if somebody else franchises the approach like oh yeah f- go for like, it we didn't invent it like <laughs> yeah. it's not
1: you know we didn't invent the album by album guide to something no no so, um yeah it'd be pretty cool mm-hmm. um jacob says As a much younger man, I used to listen to a lot of Weird Al and would frequently discover other bands through his parodies. I'm glad you're bringing this up, Jacob, because I would have at some point. Um, (laughs) One day, uh, while a friend and I were listening to the song Frank's 2000 Inch TV, I realized I wasn't sure who, if anyone, the song was parodying. So I asked my friend. His response was, "It's a style parody of REM, but honestly, it's a weird enough subject that could actually be an REM song and be a metaphor condemning consumerism or something." Uh, (laughs) While he meant that as more of a dismissal of REM, it piqued my (laughs) socialist sensibilities. (laughs) Um, Weirdly, you're at lyrics anti-capitalism metaphors. Sign me up. Uh, REM is a special band for me because, uh, in part, because they always feel real, even when Michael Snipe is obviously uh, turning the art school dork stuff up to eleven. It is obviously coming from a real place, and it makes it charming instead of pretentious. They became one of the biggest bands in America and yet remain the same as they started. A little older, a little richer, but more or less the same nice Southern boys they started as. I'm looking forward to when you two cover up. Uh, it's my favorite R.E.M. album. Sorry, Bill Larry, And I'm hoping uh, you guys at the very least don't hate it. It's not them at their best, but the fact that they were trying to figure out where R.E.M. was going, uh, going to go without Barry, and almost broke up while recording it, lends the album some uh, some emotional weight for me. It's also very cute to me that Mike Mills said something along the lines of, these lyrics are really great. We should put them on the record sleeve. <laughs> and Scythe agreeing, because printing the lyrics would show uh, how different of a band R.E.M. was compared to earlier. I love the podcast It's a great format uh, you have going, and I hope you find another band to deep dive when all is
0: said and done. Yeah. So... Um, I, seeing the title Frank's 2000 inch TV, I was like, Oh, that's kind of familiar. Then I remembered, uh, that, that album, Alapalooza was the weird album that was the weird Al album that I had, uh, on weird tape. album. Weird album. Oh. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> um, but that's what I had on tape growing up. And I loved that song. I didn't remember yeah. the title, but I went and listen to it. And like immediately, like I was, I was like eating a, like, like eating a push pop. Uh, on my like on my grandma's uh, uh, deck, listening to my walk, listening to that on my Walkman, It was like, "Oh mm. shit, the seeds were laid." <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, it's it's great. Like, yeah. I've, I've I've sure I've said this before on a podcast, but I think Weird Al is actually like incredibly impressive. Yes, and I think those style parody things uh, are super hard to do and show an understanding of music that belies his novelty status. Yeah, yeah, like it sounds like such a good like REM song. You know, it's like <laughs> this is a really good pop song. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it. It's immediately recognizable as, you know, a pastiche of this band mm-hmm. without actually being, you know, a direct cover. Like I love those things. Yeah. Um, and they they really like, you know, some of them are just like incredible. Mm-hmm. Like I've I've definitely met people who don't didn't know that like Dare to Be Stupid wasn't Devo. <laughs> um yeah the one he did they do one for uh sparks called uh virus alert i think is that one and that's okay. that's, that's really good huh. like it sounds a lot like a spark song <laughs> um, and this is why he would do that for like weird bands like that like yeah you know, not everybody knows sparks mm-hmm. but he would he would kind of do these uh
0: those little things yeah um, kind of along those lines, something that, uh, it's an album that I, that I liked a lot in high school. Uh, Liam Lynch, the, the guy who, uh, one of the, my, one of the guys behind, um, uh, and Ollie does the voice of Ollie. Mm-hmm. He put out a, an album called fake songs. That was pretty mm-hmm. much just all style parodies. So like fake pixie song, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that were, that were like mostly really good. Like the, the album itself was just a way to get my United States of whatever, like out on a single in the early two thousands. But, mm-hmm. um, but the stuff that came along with it was really good.
1: Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I, I appreciate that for sure. Yeah, the um, yeah, and then the um, we. I think I like I like up. Yeah,
0: yeah. So it's gonna, I'm, I'm looking forward to covering up. Like I think up is a cool album. It's going to be interesting to talk about. Um, I like up a lot as well. I think I'm more of a reveal boy myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the, the the intersection line between those two, great beyond, is actually really good.
1: Yeah, great Beyond's a great song. Yeah, it will it will definitely be interesting to to talk about that though because I I feel really strongly the other way yeah but that like up is not one of my favorite rems albums like i like it a lot but i like it a lot more than i like reveal yeah um and it'll it'll be interesting to kind of go and figure out why there's also a very um and this for uh for jacob if you haven't seen it on youtube there's a really revealing documentary about the making of up yeah uh um, yeah rises to fall i think yeah yeah and that's that's amazing yeah. Like it's showing them training new people in the band, and the new people in the band suck, and like just watching them just kind of like struggle through this. Like this was such a cohesive unit, and no longer is. Yeah, um, is really really kind of heartbreaking and interesting to watch.
0: Yeah, I I loved the scene where they took a sharpie and then connected all of their eyebrows.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that was a dumb joke. I'm sorry.
1: No, it's it's okay. It's say okay. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it is. Uh. uh yeah. It'll be. Uh, it'll be interesting to get to those. Those records and uh I, I mean i mean the the two revival ones too like accelerate and Collapse in an hour i'm interested in talking about too because yeah. like those are not my favorite things in the world but they're interesting and there are good songs on there mm-hmm. and uh you know i'm yeah. glad that they ended on that
0: yeah um the singles from those are like kind of universally pretty great like accelerate or no i'm sorry not accelerate um oh gosh uh uberlin is uh yeah it really good yeah um. Yeah. Uberlin
1: uh, I think Supernatural. Super Serious is like a super good song. Yep. <laughs> like that's. Uh. It's. It's a little too on the nose with the lyrics, but like yeah, that's a good song. I mean,
0: uh, <laughs> we're we're right in the middle of them being way too on the nose with the lyrics.
1: Yeah. Right? That's and that's not really going to go away totally. Right. Either you know, Discover is a really good song. Like those are those are good,
0: good records. No. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So is this me for James? Yeah. Uh, indeed. Okay. So James writes. Uh. So I'll admit it. I'm a bit too young to really know R.E.M. I know the big hits and such, but really, I jumped in blind with this podcast, but I didn't do it alone since I've been listening to it with my dad. Uh, It's been a lot of fun, too, uh, since it's a bit of an expansion of something that I do a lot, asking him about old music shit. He can usually give me some insight to the context of these strange artifacts that I find out on the Internet. For R.E.M., it was kind of a band that he liked, uh, but it happened around him. He listened to the records with his college roommate or borrowed from his brother. His favorite was Radio Free Europe, since he's an audio engineer and that kind of stuff was really cool when he was young. He still does these hour-long shows in practice, um, and the most recent one is R.E.M.-themed. It's also fun because he doesn't really know you guys. We've talked a bit about the fast-talking guy and the quiet guy a bit. Quiet guy is his favorite. Gary, I think you're the quiet guy. I, I talk pretty fast. Yeah, I, so I, I think that I talk fast. I think you're quieter than me. Okay. Yeah, I could see. That. I, I don't. I don't know.
1: Um, don't don't tell us, James. <laughs> I, I,
0: I don't. I don't want to
1: know. Yeah. This way, we can both feel okay.
0: <laughs> the The I, I don't. You know, I'm fine if his dad likes you a little bit more. I'll. I'll, I'll I, I'm, actually,
1: I'm honestly fine with that.
0: Show. You can <laughs> well, Of course. Of course, you are because he likes you more
1: but i don't know what he does i don't know if that's yeah. what that's
0: referring to so yeah. the uh you know uh, we uh, we don't know episode boys with fast and quiet yeah <laughs> Um, uh, Continuing with James, uh, he also says that those guys have probably thought more about R.E.M. than I have. Um, I just can't help but think about him branching off and listening to the other shows. Man, it would be funny to hear him talk about Bonfireside Chat, though maybe Teenage Dirtbags is a better direction. Sorry if this is a little bit long. I'm writing in for the both of us. Thank you for giving the two of us this experience. P.S. Shout out to my dad's old radio show that he had in California, where he had a running joke with pre-Simpsons Matt Graining, uh, which would end with them burying him in the parking lot. Oh, yeah,
1: that's very cute. Yeah, I guess I guess we'd know which one was his favorite if he listened to teenage dirtbags. Mm, yes, because then he would be like, now it's Quiet Guy and, and, and whatever Briten is, and, and, or he, now it's
0: Human Paragon. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> now it's, now it's fast guy and Adonis. Yeah. Vocal Adonis, Britain Cameron. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah. The um yeah, thanks, James. Yeah, thank you. That's that's very re- that's very sweet. Yeah. Um yeah, we're your dads now. So you, we, we will teach you about old music stuff. So. <laughs> we're, we're not replacing him, we're just joining him. <laughs> no, it's yeah, it's just a triumvirate. Yeah. The uh yeah, the tribunal
0: has spoken. You should listen yep. to this old music. Yep, fast dad, quiet dad, and real dad. <laughs> Yeah, and Bio Dad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, we got dads in
1: three flavors: Fast, Quiet, and Bio. <laughs> um,
0: no, but yeah. I'm I'm happy that it uh, spells we...
1: you would learn from Siren in Final Fantasy Six. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like some weird off off
0: Esper. Um, is there are there are there any more jokes we could make that James's dad won't get? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's cool that you knew about graining. Yeah, yeah no well, way into it i'm happy uh, i'm happy we gave you something to share with your dad yeah that's very sweet yeah um matt says i just wanted
1: to say thank you for the podcast I'm really enjoying listening and revisiting the band along with you and felt compelled to share a little story uh, my little story with rem as a kid i wasn't much interested in music more of a football soccer if we must and <laughs> movies type uh, after hearing and liking a snippet of it's the end of the world as we know it in independence day my parents bought me the best of the irs years for christmas After listening to that song on repeat for hours while playing Tomb Raider 2, I decided to give the rest of the album a try and an obsession with music that would dominate my next 15 years uh, began. I finally got a chance to see the band in February of 2005 when they played my hometown of Sheffield. Unfortunately, Mike Mills uh, was taken ill and was rushed to the hospital just before they came on stage. Michael Stipe and Peter Buck came out to announce uh, to a packed arena that the show was canceled and as a consolation, played a short acoustic set of The One I Love, Leaving New York, I've been high and losing my religion. It was wonderful in its own way, even with the lady in front of us constantly shouting that it was a joke (laughs) and he was about to burst on uh, stage and begin the show. Um, I guess she couldn't accept that those legendary pranksters, Stipe and Buck, might be telling the truth. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, the show was rescheduled for that summer and we got to see something pretty unique in the bargain. And most importantly, Mike Mills was fine. Sorry for the long-winded message, but this is uh, all to say thanks for helping me remember how special this band is to me.
0: Mike Mills is going to get here. You'll see. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, this is not, I like how she's shouting it. Yeah. Like, this is a joke.
1: You frauds. You're he- he's coming. Don't be fooled. <laughs> red pill, people.
0: <laughs> she's a Mike Mills red piller. Yeah, I'll also- take the Mills pill. The Red Mills. <laughs> like... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah that's a that's a super good story um yeah, that's yeah. very sweet yeah yeah i wish i had seen them more than once you know i wish that i'd seen them at all yeah yeah oh well uh the, the i think the last time they performed close to me was when they were inducted into the hall of fame and i've seen videos from it where eddie Vedder gets up and sings songs with them oh. and that would have been very bad <laughs> uh, i don't know that i would have liked that one bit didn't miss that much <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So uh, let's see. We have another story about a live show here. Christopher writes, I'm really enjoying the first episode of file underwater. Uh, I wrote this in a while ago. I just included it because it's a good story. Uh, I'll already take that. Um, I'm really enjoying the first episode of file underwater. It's bringing back a lot of memories for me. In my senior year of college in 1986 and 87, my friend took me to see an REM concert. And by concert, I mean, 1000 college students in a ballroom on a campus, not in a big arena or stadium. And he looked it up and found out that it was in... Uh uh, a, a place, uh, let me look here, like the Pan American Center in uh, New Mexico, uh, thinking about it later, uh, part of it wasn't making sense though. I recalled it being a small venue, uh, but the tour page specified that it was the Pan American Center, which is a basketball arena. So I emailed my friend, uh, <laughs> to both tell him about this podcast and ask about the venue. This is his response. It was in Pan Am. I think they cut it in half with a curtain. I got free tickets by giving them a bunch of pizzas from Little Caesars. <laughs> (laughs) everyone's favorite youth group standby yeah (laughs) Um, uh so the venue was not super small but that last detail makes me smile um at the time i was listening to what is now called classic rock rush led zeppelin the who the rolling stones etc the next day i went out and purchased the cassette of life's rich pageant and it completely changed my music life we called it alternative at the time I stopped listening to bands like The Cure. Started listening. Sorry, started listening. Thank you. Um, I started listening to bands like The Cure, Depeche Mode, and The Smashing Pumpkins. I changed my radio stations and even started hanging out with a different crowd. I followed REM religiously well into the mid-90s. The last album that I purchased was Up. I guess we drifted apart as they became more mainstream, and I stayed more on the alternative side.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, that's great. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: I Um, I, I love the idea of a curtain party funded by funded by Little Caesars Pizza.
1: Then um, that curtain thing—I've seen um, the Flaming Lips twice. Okay, Uh, the the first time on uh, transmissions of Satellite Heart, so like the "She Don't Use Jelly" Mm -hmm. album, and it was a big outdoor thing, and it was huge. Oh wow, uh, at the college, and then the second time it was um, the Soft Bulletin, and they must have like—I don't know how the show was undersold or whatever—but it was in like a rinky-dink ballroom at the college in my hometown. And they curtained it off into like a quarter, like there were curtains surrounding three sides and then the stage was on the fourth side Hmm. to make it look packed when it was not (laughs) like it was, it was, you know, a really undersold show. And like, I appreciate that kind of as like an, you know, uh, an eco protecting move Mm -hmm. for bands, but like (laughs) the, um, it was just really surprising because like that album was pretty big yeah, and the next album was huge, you know, and like I, I just thought it would be much, much bigger.
0: Yeah, Uh, I'm kind of kicking myself because I had a chance to go see the Flaming Lips. Uh, They came through Cincinnati in 2009 or 10. I was in college uh, for Embryonic, uh, the the, the album with uh, Convinced of the Hex on it. I like that album a lot, Mm -hmm. Um, but uh, they came through in a a venue that a lot of people like. It's called Bogarts. It's near the campus, but I really hate it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's like uh, I'm not going to go to a venue. I don't like to see a band that I do like is is where i came down on it for me like i don't i have
1: no interest in seeing the flaming Lips. like now now yeah. that they're kind of like just a production gimmick yeah that's shaped like a band like i don't i don't know those guys let me down yeah. like it, th- those guys have gone so far towards not being what i conceive of as a band yeah that like i don't know like i don't like it doesn't like you read about it and it's like oh they got people with bunny suits that come out and dance around and like just do yeah. you know they throw frisbees into the audience and then there's you know things like that there's just like an element of like i don't know like i'm the cosmic fool and i'm ready to (laughs) you know blow your square mind yeah i do it that it feels like i I mean we talked about how like shitty the insult tryhard is but that's what it feels like yeah it's like oh this is you're like really really you know it feels insecure to me
0: in a weird way yeah so yeah i could see that i heard heard people tell stories of that of, uh, of that show and it sounded like a good time Oh, yeah. I yeah. can see an embryonic is is not bad. Like, I like embryonic. Okay.
1: Yeah. No. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Th- thank you. Uh, James says, finally, uh, as an Athenian since 2003, I can't help but be immersed in the legend and lore of R.E.M. Ley lines of their myth run under uh, under every street corner and everyone has a personal Michael Stipe was artfully quirky in my presence tale. <laughs> uh, my wife ran her buggy into his buggy at Target once. Uh, and he sheepishly apologized making zero eye contact. (laughs) Uh, As my present job puts me in contact with the band members on a regular basis, oh cool, Mm -hmm. um, and their management more often, I can't dish dirt, but File Underwater has gotten me to do one thing I never actually did, listen to the records. I've always had a greatest hits level appreciation of R.E.M., but listening to Chronic Town and Murmur uh, for the first time was a real eye-opener. Both records are exactly what I expected, uh, but still find cool ways to defy their later pop sheen. Wolves Lower is such a menacing song. Uh looking forward to listening along with Rust. Worth noting, the other key eighties Southern College rock band that REM should have been seen alongside with is Georgia's own drive in and crying. Um and I actually have stories about that uh, for the next episode. Hmm. Um who play like every other weekend around here. The late Vic Chestnut, who wore a Santa hat when I sold uh when I sold a book to him, <laughs> is also part of this movement. I'm pretty sure that Kristen Hirsch is pushing his wheelchair. <laughs> Keep up the good work, uh love the shows. Yeah.
0: Thank you very yeah. much. Yeah, it's cool that you uh, get to work uh, adjacent to the band and their management.
1: Yeah, that's fantastic. Jealous. <laughs> the, uh it's you know not that this our show is nothing like theirs, but the u Two show that they do on Earwolf. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it's on Earwolf and they're like, you know, a huge network. At some point, that show culminates in them meeting You Two, like You Two being on the show. <laughs> um, it's 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 a really really cute episode. Huh. Uh, one because like I I don't like You Two very much, but the guys are really fun. Yeah. like they're surprisingly funny and cute and there's like a thing where like one of them like they make a joke and Bono's like you know drawing like an autograph for Scott Huckerman like draws a dick and like hands it <laughs> over to him or something on like on the air and like yeah. it's 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 and their guys are just like they're still professional comedians who have to stay on top of things but they're moving right. people who are like their absolute
0: heroes and it's yeah. it's really sweet yeah um so James,
1: you could do that for us That'd be great. that's great <laughs> yeah. so, yeah. let, let
0: let us know if you can um, they, they uh on 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 you talking you two to me, they talk a lot of yay about the group right like they like they their stuff that they just like very vocally don't like that they do
1: oh not not so much- like they're pretty they're pretty kind about it actually oh, oh. Huh. i think I think that in general like they're probably kinder to a higher percentage of songs than we are hmm. um and even stuff that like I think is pretty indefensible like <laughs> you know like, like they're like way into you know the six minute remix things of discotheque, you know, Ugh. pop art songs and stuff. Yeah. yeah. No. Well, um, <laughs> it's really cool to have that kind of contact though. And you never know like what kind of like, you know, famous people you're going to be adjacent to, mm-hmm. you know, when you, when you work for that kind of thing, like, yeah, yeah. it's just kind of strange. Like, you know, meeting, meeting people yeah. who, who are famous like that. <laughs> it's weird. but th- thank and, you. It's all, and, and the fact that you didn't like the James didn't like listen to the band, uh-huh. you know, is such a, such an interesting thing where it's like, Oh, like, and now you have this whole context for people you know. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, it, that's it,
0: interesting. You know, it, it's it's one of those things where if it's just your job, it can seem not as special to you know as as it would to to, to rubes like us. You're like, your wife ran into Michael Stipe. <laughs> she yeah, she probably handled it much better than I would have. I, I yeah i would have a I, we were just talking
1: about getting them on the show but i would actually probably be like too nervous to uh, i would I, do anything
0: yeah to t- take ron gilbert that like that like that first appearance and then magnify it by about five that that'd
1: be that'd be really hard because those guys are funny dudes but yeah. like man i i don't know yeah. like that that would that would be a real quick way for me to feel not funny or smart <laughs> <laughs> like instantly like redress into a you, you know yeah. into an embryo <laughs> just, yep.
0: uh, just uh like every word out of it what the fuck have i done Oh, sorry hey, well, you know, thank you thank, thank you for coming uh mike and michael uh what the fuck have i done
1: and, then, and well it's, it's not even that just like the, the the first like joke that i try to make that just totally doesn't land and, and just the, i would implode <laughs> oh yeah you know like and just crumble in on myself like just you know that, just that's brittle
0: a, brittle wax
1: yeah just just fall apart that's super cool though like I lo- mm-hmm. i love that idea. And it's such a weird thing that you just like you can just be a target. <laughs> Michael Stipe getting a target. Like, oh,
0: just, like pro-, pro probably you know. candles and dryer sheets.
1: It, it's, just, it's very funny to think of Michael Stipe going and buying dryer sheets. Like <laughs> Yeah. You know? Um Yeah, that's great. I think he shaved his uh gigantic mountain man beard.
0: Oh yeah, at, his Instagram. I haven't I haven't, yeah. haven't looked at his
1: Instagram in a while. I th- I, th- I think I saw a picture of him I think is more recent than that, that <laughs> is uh is shaved, so
0: um, it was, it was a good luck. Uh, like it, it was, it was shocking to see him like that. Uh, a on his Instagram and B when he did the Bowie tribute.
1: Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. it,
0: it worked for him. Yep, yep, yeah, yeah. Um, thanks, James. Yeah, that's really cool to hear. Very, uh, very, very grateful for those stories and also for everybody writing in. Um, this was, this was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, we will be back in two weeks uh, to talk about Document, and we'll be back two weeks after that. Chuck mm-hmm. Green and we will continue um, we'll <laughs> announce the next time we're going to do a response episode.
0: Yeah. Um which will be sometime. Yes. <laughs> which you, you, we can assure you will be in the future. And uh yes. Don't go back and listen for new ones before this one. Um uh previous pleas and previous cries to have you uh, uh share this show with your friends are still in effect. Um, mm-hmm. we, we really only thrive on word of mouth. So if you have friends who dig music, friends who dig podcasts or friends who like REM, um, please, you know, send one of our episodes there, their way that would, uh, do a great deal to help us out. Yeah. They're, they're a huge help.
1: Yeah. We love it. So thanks. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Yeah. I think, you know, if you, uh, this show is only made possible by our patrons at patreon.com slash Yeah. Um, you know, if you patronize us now, thank you very much. If not, please consider. it
0: mm-hmm. um, we, It we, makes a big difference. We just recently passed the $5,000 mark, which is gigantic. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: yeah, so the uh, the next and the next stretch goal is at uh 55 uh
0: $100. Yeah, that is correct. Yeah.
1: And uh that is, you know, a stone's throw away. So, be on the lookout for a pilot for that. That's coming out. Yeah. Uh, you know, relatively soon. Um, yeah, I think that's probably it. Think uh, ratings, so. reviews, all that stuffs very helpful. And, uh, yeah. Um, so until, until next time, it's the end of the podcast as we know it.
0: And we feel fine. Re- recovered from the trip. Yeah, I feel fine. Cool.
1: It took me it took me a couple days, but I'm good. Yeah. Yep. I'm um,
0: I'm doing okay too. So
1: good. Yeah. Good to hear. Yep. Been uh, been nonstop practicing my uke. Oh yeah, yeah. It's real fun. Like check out what I can do now. Here it's simple. <laughs> we think banking should be easy.
0: <laughs>
1: like. <laughs> It all sounds
0: like that. Member FDIC. We know (laughs) your.